0: Is the Roaring Alpen podcast for the twentieth of October, and back from long time ago, we've got a news episode, and I can never do never can do those myself because somebody has to do all of the article hunting. So here is my co-host Dave.
1: Um, for those that uh, just want a quick peek behind the curtain, when Jon says article hunting, what he actually means is we find a bunch of articles and then we cull most of them because they're not very interesting, <laughs> and we find a few that we think we can bear to talk about so hey there we go yeah but that being said it's also happens quite a lot that we've come up with the same article or not the same article
0: but the same topic same Same theme yeah yeah so it does kind of make us believe we're not entirely alien to the world i guess
1: or we're both reading the same internet one or the other um there is more than one internet wow of course internet too Internet
0: 2, is that the approved version? We should find an article <laughs> on that.
1: <laughs> anyway. Anyway, before we get too derailed, which is too our late. way. <laughs> Let's see. First thing we're going to talk about is,
0: uh, yeah, everybody's darling. I mean, how can you live without this? This is one of yours, so please take it away.
1: Uh, do I have <laughs> to? So the... Yes, please take it away. Very far. Yeah, well, I mean, you'll have a hard job taking it away. Have you seen a mainframe? They're freaking huge. Anyway, sure. so this is a, uh, a survey run by uh, BMC, who apparently, I don't actually know who they surveyed. I have a strong suspicion it was a a large number of mainframe advocates that they were surveying in the first place or <laughs> surveying them and people that already use mainframe services but anyway 90 percent of these people that were surveyed uh see mainframe as a 90 uh, percent of respondents i should say see the mainframe as a long-term platform for growth and uh and it really, it all goes downhill from there. I've just, there's, <laughs> really, there's really nothing else worth talking about this article apart from just... Uh, I realize that mainframes are still very important to a lot of exactly. people. I realize that they are still used in... Especially in finance. And in, well, the whole kind of FSI sector um, is still very mainframe dependent. There's still a lot of that in the back end. I, I, I get it, but... Let's 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 try and not sort of like, combine that with the other topics that are being talked talked about are around you know heavy DevOps adoption and um, and oh it's just it's just a terrible terrible article in so many different ways and, and yeah please please make it stop.
0: Yeah, but on the other hand, make it stop. And mainframes still have a a large presence. I mean, there's still quite a few around, and they're still being developed up until today, I'm going to say, and they're still important. And BMC, as a company, I think most of their customer base is using mainframes. So if they just did a questionnaire on their own customer base, I can expect these numbers that they're showing in the article to be realistic. But to call them a platform for growth, I mean, not sure about you, for you, but with any customer that I talk to that is using mainframes, they have them because they have to have them, but they're desperately looking to get rid of them in a reasonable way because yes uh, things like uh, service uh, resilience needs to be maintained A lot of banks are using this so they, they're not just gonna junk it and put the linux system instead that's not how, that's not how they're looking at it but there are big costs they're annoying things because finding expertise on the mainframe platform is getting harder and harder because even though bmc says it's a platform for growth i don't think many people go to university today and say i want to become a mainframe expert so at the moment, the biggest business I see is uh, the thing called mainframe offloading.
1: Yeah, yeah, which has been a thing for uh, pretty much as long as I've been in IT, which is a <laughs> disturbingly long time. So, yeah. uh, and I, it's a it's something that will, I'm sure, continue. But mm-hmm. yeah.
0: moving on because i just said
1: let's definitely move on yeah because i just
0: said uh, they're being built up until today because how long they're still going to be built that's another question because our second article i took it here from reuters you found a similar article on financial times which you need to have a subscription so i couldn't get in there so we took this one but apparently ibm has announced that they aren't going to break up the company and yeah, first yeah. thing that took me back is a hundred and nine-year-old company. My
1: God, <laughs> indeed. Which is longer, to be clear, than I've been in IT. Just, just so we, just we, really? show we're crystal clear there. Um, but and it, it's not obviously this is not the first time that they've made fairly, you know, fairly sizeable changes to their organisation. It talks in the article about the fact that they they divested the networking group back in the nineties. the... Many people may remember the uh, PC group in the 2000s that was uh, divested to Lenovo. Mm-hmm. So all of those glorious ThinkPads that now you see as a sort of Lenovo devices, and uh, you know semiconductors were were split off about five years ago. So it's not it's not like this is a uh, a brand new thing. The first time they've ever done it. They've got pretty experienced at that, but. The piece that they're spinning off, uh, they mention as being the IT infrastructure services unit, which is the the piece that provides uh, technical support services uh, for clients. So I don't believe in this case it's saying that mainframes are no longer going to be produced, but uh, it does mean that that sort of that chunk of the business, which is still like 90,000 90, people with a mm-hmm. 60 billion dollar backlog it's just pretty phenomenal um so that's pr- it's it's actually about a well no Almost not a, a not quite a quarter but Almost yeah it's, it's it's yeah it's a decent chunk of of ibm overall which, which which for some reason surprises me i don't know why um why i thought that was uh, that was surprising but it it at least to me it was yeah, I mean,
0: but but this is the IBM services environment, right? The consultants are sent on site to usually maintain the IBM infrastructures that are deployed. That's
1: that part, right? I believe so, but I'm not 100% sure. I don't know if the, um, because I would usually expect to see, if it was that, uh, then say IBM Global Services, but they don't say that. Exactly. They specifically say, the infrastructure services unit which provides technical support they don't they don't mention specifically consulting mm-hmm. so i i i honestly i don't know i there are probably a couple of other articles out here and um that yeah. but this is obviously very very new news um yeah. so uh, i'm sure uh, more information will be coming out over the next uh, couple of days yeah,
0: i've been reading a couple of the other articles and none of them are much clearer than that it seems to be Mm -hmm. totally based on a press release that ibm did and also the connection because if you talk about divesting it infrastructure services how does that make a jump to become focus on cloud growth well that's because i was in the um press release from ibm so if you think about them going to cloud and cloud becoming their main source of income then i would guess that that also would indicate that their global sub, uh, services environment would also get axed at some point, if not at this point. But I would be very much surprised
1: there because I think it's a very big part of their revenue at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a huge part of the revenue. I think the one of the things that's quite clear is that you need additional, in many cases, people need additional uh, assistance to go through this cloud migration or to continue their cloud journeys. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, professional services are a big part of that story.
0: Yes, but no, because the whole idea of how, I mean, a lot of the IBM global support people are doing maintenance and support on deployments by IBM. If you have uh, mainframes from IBM there, you need a couple of IBM people to make those things running correctly. The whole idea of going to the cloud is to kind of decide, I don't care about this anymore. And yes, the migration to cloud, you'll probably need some help with that, be it IBM or other people, doesn't really matter mm-hmm. at that point. But once that migration has been done, do you still need a big consulting arm? unless you're going to start doing a totally different kind of consulting than what ibm is doing these days so regardless yeah. i still think i'm not saying it's good or bad news i'm think it's going to be change happening more if it is indeed ibm going totally cloud and they want to become the the fourth uh, big uh, cloud player out there which at the moment they definitely are not not even close
1: mm. yeah no no I, I was actually i think what i what i was trying to get across was the same thing as you just said <laughs> I, I I was actually sort of uh my focus was on the the consulting part, which I do think is still very valuable but yeah i I agree the the whole kind of i mean there is still an element of of support services required, I think even when you go to cloud, but it's yeah, a it's different, different yeah it's it's a different yeah it's a different behavior it's a different set of reliance like if if the the cloud provider is doing the majority of the "Quote unquote infrastructure," then it the the kinds of support you need are usually very different. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I agree. I think that this is the the start of uh, um, a fairly significant change. And I think the one of the analysts uh, actually says IBM is getting rid of a, a shrinking, low margin operation, given the cannibalizing impact of automation and cloud masking stronger growth for okay. the rest of the operation, which kind of aligns with what you and yeah, I have yeah, just been yeah, talking yeah. about.
0: Yeah, because I think it's more than just shrinking, because also when you go to cloud, you're trying to divest yourself from the call it, vendor lock-in of the provider. I mean, when I was at Microsoft a long time ago, but these days, uh, you saw that a lot of the business was done through partners, because uh, organization XYZ has already an implementation partner, one, two, three, and they decide to go to a cloud Well, they'll need some help from that cloud provider to do that, but that is usually done, provided by that partner that's already doing implementation services. So if IBM is doing implementation services at the environment today, then they might still retain that when the move to cloud goes, although in a reduced uh, form. But for a lot of the new business, I don't see... I mean, personally, when I look for a partner there, I want to have a company that's smaller than mine, so they need me for their goodness. <laughs> well, if you join with with IBM, I mean, how much do I, if I'm, if I'm not Shell or Philips or GE or whatever, why does IBM care about my mom and pop shop? You're not going to be using them as your main partner business, I think. So it's a strange. I mean, it's been going on for a couple of months now that IBM's trying to change. Uh, the mm. first big thing was, I would not even say divesting of the network and uh, PC parts because that was, yeah, not that surprising. Let's say, but the acquisition of uh, Red Hat, and I'd be very curious to see what the effect of Red Hat being in
1: the in the, in the in the in the mix here. Yeah, I mean, I suppose another another assumption that I'm making as we're having this conversation is that the the support that's being discussed here is actually not like does not include the, for example, the Red Hat support teams. I think it's more of the mm-hmm. where you have like a, a contracted like ibm service running all of your internal support desks and things like that i think it's it's more of that end of the spectrum than the support for their products or services yep. but again like as you say the <laughs> information right now is uh, is somewhat thin on the ground but it one of the things you you mentioned actually i think before we started recording on this was this if if ibm can sort of continue their focus on cloud and can get to the point where they are more of a, a serious player in this space. Uh, not serious, they are serious, but more of a dominant player because mm-hmm. they're not dominant in this place at the moment. No. One of the things you mentioned is the fact that they, they're they the only kind of, sort of would be the only serious cloud player that actually also owns um, you know an OS that is very significantly used in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I suppose I think that that's something worth poking at. I haven't actually seen any adoption statistics for quite some time. It's not something I've looked at, um, but I'm really, really curious to understand what the current state of um, OSs used in cloud, used in public cloud, let's say, is. And the reason that I ask that is because I see um i see a lot of people um basing their docker containers around um sort of arch and um what's the other one that gets commonly used um ubuntu less so i would say you know a couple of years ago ubuntu was was very very heavily used but that seems to be far less used there's another one um that does not immediately spring to mind but a lot of people are basing their docker containers and maybe it's a maybe it's a docker hub thing we could try and poke at some statistics there i don't know but a lot of people are basing their containers around smaller and smaller and smaller far more focused distros and i know that you know red hat acquired core os for for that sort of purpose but that from what I understand of this space, and as I say, I, I'm sort of basing this on on things that uh, I'm only loosely aware of at the moment, much like most of my IT knowledge. Um, but it it doesn't seem like that has continued its very its incredibly strong adoption curve that it started with, and it feels like a lot of um, vendors out there, you know, people that are building containers for their own services they're deploying. Are choosing smaller and more lightweight um, bases for their for their for their containers that they're deploying. So, I do I agree. It's, it's an interesting point of of kind of IBM being this major cloud player and having a significant access to a uh, an OS. But I don't know at the moment how critical that actually is. But maybe that's something for the future. Maybe that's something that they can they can change or influence?
0: No, I do think it does have an effect because it's not just Red Hat, right? Uh, anything that's built for Red Hat will filter through to uh, directly to CentOS and Oracle uh, Linux and also has a big impact on the other ones. I mean, if you look at SE Linux, for yeah. instance, that's a Red Hat-started thing that's now pretty prevalent and I think has pretty much oh, killed that No, no, no,
1: no let's, let's be clear. It, huh? The SE Linux came out of the NSA. It was adopted by Red Hat. Good but enough. Yes, it it came became out the NSA. popular through Red Hat.
0: So they do <laughs> have a force there. And if I look now, you have the two big camps being Debian and Red Hat, While well, Debian, Ubuntu, Red Hat, Opa, uh, and CentOS. Those are the two parts that make new stuff popular enough so they become adopted in the mainstream. And... If Red Hat is now at uh, IBM, that does mean that they have a certain direction to push Linux in certain uh, directions. According, uh, What I can say about the adoption of Linux is that I was at Microsoft when they changed their slogans to uh, Microsoft Loves Linux, and we saw that in Azure, the amount of VMs based on Linux really went up exponentially. It wasn't linear, yep. it was it was huge. So definitely Linux is very important. But to your point, do you want to have Red Hat if you want to do this, especially in containerization? And the containerization one this is an interesting one because at that point, the reason to go for Red Hat is to have the support. I mean, if you don't have the support, you go for CentOS, because then it's free and happy, joy, joy. If you want to have a supported SLA, whatever, you go for Red Hat. But if you're using this in a Docker container, there's so much customization happened at that point, Red Hat isn't gonna support you anymore. You can still have the support on a little layer on the bottom there, but no, I want to have the container that does, and that doesn't work there anymore. So at that point, did IBM make a mistake buying Red Hat if they thought that would give them a more dominant position in the cloud market? So
1: just to... I'll get to your question in a minute, but <laughs> something I want to I want to kind of pivot That's to a, a little clear. bit is, on. is the reason the reason why people I, I I totally get your point about you know things that happen in in Rel flow down to to other OSs like completely, but what I guess what I'm saying is that um, the the reason like people don't tend to base their Docker containers around RHEL or around CentOS or around Fedora. Because as uh like they're just not well suited for container based operating systems. Like they're yeah, they're too big. Know things like Arch people mm-hmm. seem to like a lot because you can get that down to an incredibly small size, yeah. you know, it drastically reduces your um your security footprint is one thing. Obviously drastically reduces the the time it takes to roll these things out, the time it takes yeah. to roll them through CI/CD platforms, all of that sort of stuff. So, for me, it's it's more of it's it's that angle that I think is is kind of more of a focus here. Now, to your question about did they did they make a mistake? Um, a very good friend of mine uh, who worked at Red Hat for a very long time left Red Hat. I think about six months, six to Twelve months before the IBM acquisition um, actually happened, and I, this is this is someone that um, you know literally has a Fedora man like tattoo on their on their arm, like is is literally Red Hat through and through, and is someone that I never thought I would see leave. And in the end, you know, there were a number of reasons why he decided to to make a change. He moved to um, one of the top three cloud providers and is very happy there. But when I was talking to him about this, he would say, well, the 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 thing for him is that Red Hat just did not have a, an, a strong enough public cloud story. And that is where everybody is moving to over time. And this from someone who's been there for well over a decade, has seen the direction mm-hmm. that things are going. And for them to still think, like we don't have a strong enough picture we don't have a strong enough story and then as i say 6 to 12 months later ibm acquire them for that supposedly <laughs> for that very Absol- reason yeah, yeah yeah i i do i do have a really like uh a really strong question around like why they why they made the acquisition and whether it will actually deliver the kind of results that they were looking for when they were thinking about it now mm. i do believe that the the red hat acquisition by ibm has been good for ibm i i think it has accelerated their position in the public in public cloud and to have some degree of um you know cloud ready services beyond what they had already but i i don't think it i don't think that it was enough of a change like i don't think that just acquiring red hat was a allowed them to leapfrog ahead of the competition Mm -hmm. i think it allowed them to kind of accelerate and catch up a little bit but i don't think they've surpassed any of the three major players through that acquisition from a technology standpoint obviously they're not there from an adoption standpoint that takes time but I don't even think they're there from a technology standpoint either. Yeah. So, I—I I mean, do I think it was a mistake by IBM? Probably not, because I think they are better with with Red Hat than they were without it. But I—I I don't think it's as as strong a play or a stronger message um, as they perhaps would like to believe it is.
0: Yeah, interesting. I'm just gonna into something you said a bit uh, a little while hmm. ago why would an operating system like red hat need to have a cloud presence because for me the whole idea of going to cloud is to divest myself from all of the limitations that infrastructure and os's put on top of me i'll choose the os not based on the people having house i have, that have knowledge on certain os's or Contracts I have in place. I'll use the OS that the application I'm trying to use preferably runs on because it's in the cloud. I don't care. So why would a operating system need to have a cloud presence, importance, market share, whatever?
1: So it's it's about more than the the OS. Like Red Hat is significantly more than mm-hmm. just the operating system and have, have have been for a long time since there. Uh, you know, early days, the acquisition of JBoss uh, and that entire middleware suite, which has continued to go from from strength to strength. Obviously, their their um, their sort of cloud uh, based services. You know, starting off with, I mean, maybe not starting off with, but I think that the initial pieces were around their Red Hat Enterprise Virtualization, which was designed to be a, a bit of a, uh, a cheap alternative to VMware. Their extension into then virtual desktops with that. And then you saw things like OpenStack Rise. And then obviously you saw Kubernetes. And now you've seen OpenShift. And so they 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 have a significant part to play in this space. It's not, for me at least, it's not actually about the operating system. I don't think that's I I mean, yeah. I'm sure there is a level of importance there because You know, you can can do additional optimizations that no one else can do because they just don't have the talent, or few other people can do because they don't have the breadth of talent. But beyond that, I don't really see that as being a major differentiator, which I think is probably what you were getting at.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a big thing to remember that when they bought Red Hat, they didn't just buy a Linux distribution. They bought a company that had built a business around a Linux distribution, right? Uh, but still, the question, if it's going to be enough to save both Red Hat and IBM if they need saving at all, I'm not saying they do. Yeah, yeah, which is um, perfectly valid, yeah. That's something that uh, I will be able to tell you with absolute certainty in about 10, 20 years or maybe another 109 years because they've spent <laughs> that, that that's been around that long. They're not going to be gone in, uh, in a couple of months, I would not expect.
1: Indeed. So really, what better way to bookend such deep, interesting, insightful Mm -hmm. sort of uh, industry exploration than to talk about 3D gaming and how you can use it for your Kubernetes administration? Yes, well, actually, (laughs) technically, Doom's not really 3D. I mean, 3D-ish. 3D kind of.
0: It was the first 3D emulator.
1: It's okay, virtual 3D that. so that's cloud. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, love love this article. I mean, you found this one, so you you have a, you talk about this one.
0: Yeah, I didn't really find any articles. I just found this on Twitter and on Reddit and things like that where apparently this is a GitHub repo by Storax who built Cube Doom, which is a way of being able to kill your cloud bots, sorry, your Kubernetes bots playing Doom. So, it's totally ludicrous to be honest <laughs> you can kill it namespaces it's
1: perfectly sensible it's perfectly uh, sensible uh, you, only... you, you have topics like the chaos monkey like this is just <laughs> like the chaos monkey except it's no, far no, no. more fun to actually uh, the <laughs> only reason
0: this exists is because a developer or a sysadmin was playing doom his boss saw him playing doom and asked him <laughs> should you be working and the guy said i am working i'm killing pods prove it to me yeah. and then he had to write this <laughs> yeah exactly
1: i will prove it to you i've just got a bit of coding to do first <laughs> it is it is brilliant I, I do love it i i'm looking forward to the uh um cube quake um you know quake doom or quake uh, cube uh,
0: or unreal whatever. cube tournament
1: <laughs> yes but oh, uh ut ut4 ut4 even UT3, if i thought good
0: even if I thought that I was original with this, you had to trump me, of course, because
1: well, i i can't actually take uh, i can't take full credit for this. This was shared in one of the uh, one of the Slack channels I'm part of. Uh, but I just when I saw that, I was like, ah, oh, I have the perfect article to to collab with that. And yes, it's Minecraft as a Kubernetes admin tool, and uh, this is this is. Absolutely fantastic because you can see here you've got a variety of different animals. So each of the animals actually corresponds to a resource in your Kubernetes cluster. Yes. So as you can see on the screen, pigs are pods, cows are replica sets, chickens are servers, and horses are deployments. And literally, as you <laughs> as you go through the different things, and there's a YouTube video linked in the uh, in the article, and there's a GitHub repo also. You can you can see someone actually kind of kicking off um like deploying various applications and animals like pop into existence. It's absolutely hilarious. And I I thoroughly recommend it. I think it looks fantastic. And it gives you a great excuse the you no, know, I, I need a <laughs> I need a brand new gaming machine so I can administer my Kubernetes.
0: I mean we've we've all been waiting for a good GUI for kubectl. This wasn't yeah. what I was expecting. Uh, but I looked at, oh. <laughs> I love the, the subtitle of this image uh, I put on here. I mean, the, the chicken here is called Default Service Hello World, and the subtitle says, Would you kill this innocent-looking service?
1: <laughs> and, and I absolutely love the first line of the article, which is just below that, which is, disclaimer, in my spare time, I like to build tools that no one really needs, and this is one of them. <laughs> it's wonderful. I think the Eric, Eric Jedi um uh, this is this is amazing work this is fantastic and uh yeah. i uh i look forward to seeing uh where this where this particular trend goes next yeah so there, you've got a reason now to like get a you know 3080 <laughs> um, for, for your ray traced <laughs> exactly. your ray traced minecraft kubernetes admin console rtx on everybody exactly <sighs> wonderful <sighs> Well, I think unless there's anything else on your side. Uh,
0: no, I need to start my my main my my Minecraft
1: server up and tie it to my Kubernetes cluster now. So, would you run the Minecraft server on Kubernetes though? Because then, Inception. what if you accidentally killed it? <laughs> no, the one thing I would change there is you say the animals pop up when you start a
0: service, but that's not how Minecraft works. If you put two cows in a pasture, they will make little cows. So that should just start filling up my, my Kubernetes class <laughs> with interesting things. And maybe that's why Minecraft is now from Microsoft, right? So Microsoft, Microsoft mm. Cloud, you put this there. It starts creating new content. Hey,
1: hang on. So so all I'm going to say <laughs> is for anyone that's ever used the Azure admin portal, like they're going to be looking at this UI and they're going to be thinking, wow, this is much better. I can't wait. <laughs> It's not oh bad. dear and on that note <laughs> <laughs> yes please get us out I, of here <laughs> i think that's all the time we have today uh we can you can support this podcast by becoming a patreon every contribution helps we're on youtube like subscribe comment hit the notification bell all the youtube things please go to www.roaringelephant.org for uh, a link to our patreon page and for more information about the podcast of course, there is always uh, a way to get to us on Twitter, and that's using the at Roaring Elephant tag. You can also send your feedback using old school email to podcast at RoaringElephant.org. Until then, my name is, what was the name of those, uh, the, the green walky things in Minecraft? I never actually played Minecraft.
0: Oh, damn, I know uh, this.
1: They're not shamblers or... They weren't zombies, they were oh, I have to I have to look this up now. I have to look this up. Okay, so there's no chance. Okay. Please hold caller. <laughs> your your time is important to us. Well, sort of. I mean mostly. I mean you're listening to I this, know this, so it's obviously reasonably important. Creeper. Creeper's. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Actually that doesn't that's that's not very good, is it? Okay. Um, <laughs> um in that case,
0: my name is Blocky Dave. <laughs> And my name, since I'm a podcast host, I guess I'm a pig, Jon. Thank you very much, Dave. (laughs) We look forward to talking to you (laughs) next week. If you find articles like this, definitely. See you then. (laughs) Uh, Oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear. (sighs) So you're creepy, I'm a pig.
1: (laughs) Creepy pig podcast. Creepy pig podcast.